Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest edition of The Game Is About Glory, where we are going to look back on what just happened at the Etihad Stadium about an hour ago this Saturday evening against Manchester City, which ended with a 3-0 defeat for the mighty, or maybe not so mighty, Tottenham Hotspur. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and before we get into it, we'd like to remind you to please make sure you subscribe to The Game Is About Glory via your favourite pod platforms, and if you like it, bang out a quick review Give us five stars and watch your karma soar higher than Willie Nielsen. Thanks very much for all the positive feedback so far. And if you haven't subscribed, it is never too late to do the right thing. So make sure you do precisely that. Now, let's meet tonight's team. And I will be asking each of them a question we could all enjoy answering, which is, what winds you up about modern football? Moby, good evening, mate. Good evening, mate. How are you doing? Probably the same as we all are, right? Fair to middling with a touch of thick frost. Uh, I've got to ask you, um, well, first of all, uh, any beers or snacks in hand there? Yeah, mate, I've just polished off the biscuits. (laughs) No no joking. After that game, now I had a pod, I did make the the little trip out to the off-licence. So currently enjoying a nice nice pale ale at the moment and uh, put away a packet of uh, Viennese World biscuits as well, which was quite pleasant. Viennese world. It sounds like a modern football tactic, but uh, what winds you up about modern football? So many things to go for. I could literally say Tottenham Hotspur at the moment, but I think that's the obvious one. I'm going to go for social media. And by that, I mean specifically fans of players and managers. So not people Mm. that support teams, but Mm. this weird kind of underculture at the moment of like, Jose fans that just appear and go and fans of Ndombele that, that you know that you know will go when he goes so yeah very very odd so I'm going to be a proper football man and I'm going to go for that mate excellent Milo good evening uh how is the Lego clean up tonight mate yeah no all done all done yep excellent were you building Legos during were you building a Lego defense during uh as you watched the match and <laughs> hope that it might translate or it'll be more solid than ours wouldn't it <laughs> Say, I might make one out of biscuits then. It's going to be about the same. <laughs> well, go on, go on, Milo. What winds you up about modern football? I hate music after goals. Luckily, we've not had to see much of that recently. No, we? no, no. Well, no, only no. going to the other end. Yeah. I, I, I think you should be punished with having a goal disallowed. <laughs> but it, does it matter if the music is crap? Or is it just music in No, general? no, just music full stop. It's fake atmosphere. I hate fake atmosphere. If your fans can't make enough noise, then... You know, it's just masking it, isn't it? Very nice. I like that. I like that indeed. Uh, Ricky, uh, good evening. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, uh, fine, Steph. Afternoon to you. And good evening to Moby and Milo. Yeah, I'm sure it's nice. That I'm so, it's good of you to keep the wife out of this. I know she's a big fan of, uh, of our uh, of our conversation. Oh, our number she? one fan, yeah. 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 Well, how does she, and how does she refer to us, just so as everyone knows? Uh, she, um, uh, it's just, uh, she calls it uh, wanker chat. <laughs> <laughs> And she's spot on. She's spot, spot on. on. But yeah, we're not doing the Jose episode yet, but we'll probably label that one that. Oh, there it is. There it is. The <laughs> first the swing, first. ladies and gentlemen. But we're going to keep it light. <laughs> the jabs will be light. This will be, uh, you know, we'll be dancing around like Muhammad Ali trying I'm, not to land haymakers. I, I, but I'm, I'm sorry to say, Steph, I, th- I think the name of the pod is fixed as well, because I don't think I can change it because the URL. So... Sorry, sorry, Mrs. Ricky, but I don't think we can call it that. Uh, well, that's okay. It's a it's a title that will stand forever, I think, and uh, it, it could even be a mission statement. The yeah, I'll change chat. the WhatsApp chat uh, <laughs> chat name. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. But anyway, so go on. What winds you up about modern football? Well, now? the problem is going third. I think the other two have already jumped on the two things that I hate. They're definitely the gold music, any artificial created sound, not having that. If you think back to the old days, I think the crowd were quite capable of making their own kind of uh, noise. And also football Twitter, basically. So anything on there, although I have to be careful because I'm a kind of whoring myself at the moment uh, to get a few more followers. So um, regardless of what it says tonight, people, you know, um, don't at me. Just follow me. Follow me on Twitter. Ricky, I'm what, I'm the game is about at. glory. Oh, <laughs> it's Ricky, the game is about glory at Banging Leeds. Follow me. Don't at me. <laughs> I, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm going to come in and say you've basically all covered everything that I hate about modern football, but I'm going to throw in I an extra hate, caveat. I can something else if it will help you. I've got yeah, a list, well, mate. I've got a list. I've Brilliant. No, no, no. It's good. Well, we can return to this question in a, in a couple of months. I'm, I'm sure it's, a, it's going to be a recurring theme, and we could probably do a whole pod about it. Uh, I would mm. have to add that one of the things that wound me up the most about modern football was the Champions League theme. I, I, I really don't like it. I don't like the fact that there's that. Like, just It doesn't do anything for me. No gravitas at all. And I, I, I will also tell you that the moment that ruined one of the great days, potentially great days of my life that ended up not being, was when that fucking band came out at the Champions League final and destroyed the the vibe. There was The singing was so great. And suddenly there's a bloody fireworks show and some shit rock band like just destroying everything. I was like, good God, I didn't come here for that. Mate, I've got some no. really good news for you then in that case. I'm going to turn that frown upside down. You're Go not going to have to hear that Champions League music for some considerable <laughs> time now, so don't sweat it, <laughs> and, and there it is. Excellent. And and before we go any further, I just have to pay tribute to our um, squad member, Orson Dawson, who is uh, having pina coladas in the swimming pool in Cairns in Australia. So um, tough life there, mate, and I uh, hope you make it through. That's all. The best excuse ever to miss the pod, isn't it? Sorry, guys. It's almost like a Gareth Bale excuse for crying off that one, isn't it? At least he's told the truth rather than feigned a magical muscle injury that nobody can find. You got the message off saying, great training session today, lads. Yeah, awesome Dawson's Instagram picture. He's in a pool with Gareth Bale, both with pina coladas. Yeah, lounging in the pool in paradise. There was a bit of that going on, I will agree. But, OK, well, look. We have managed to already uh, find some laughter and smiles. Uh, truth be told, that's probably because we haven't started talking about the match. Milo, why don't you start us with some initial thoughts on the game today? Um, you know, thoughts about the lineup. Mm. I think it was probably a game of two halves. Um, you know, discuss the shape and intent of the side. Okay, obviously, I think um, the lineup wasn't too much of a surprise. Swestenanga coming in at right back. Maybe it was the, the big surprise there. You know, we lined up 4-4-2, which is something that Mourinho's done before against big sides. In fact, it's a pretty regular tactic for him against the bigger sides. With Ndombele and Hoybier together in midfield, it was the wide midfielders dropping back into the fullback positions and the fullbacks tucking in to make a tight four. When he's played Soko and Hoybier, then it's sometimes they drop in between the central defenders and uh, and the fullbacks. So slight switch there. I suppose the other thing that was maybe worth commenting there was it was Mora who was preferred at number 10 rather than Sun so Sun was wide left and then you know we were talking about it at the time I think you called it Steph about Soka coming on at half time and and, and Dembele 
getting pushed forward, which I think is a move that didn't work. And Ndombele was less involved in the game further forward. And it, it, it wasn't a tactic that worked. And I, I think um, at least in the first half, you know, whilst we spent most of the time defending, Ndombele gave us an option for getting the ball forwards and he had a few good runs getting forwards. I was pretty happy with the first half in, in, in that I thought we'd executed the tactics well. It's not how I want Spurs to play, but given what we were sent out to do, I thought we did it quite well in the first half. And But for a, you know, a bit of a brain fart from Hoybier, um, although maybe uh, maybe a 50-50 decision, but you know, he, he rushed in. You know, We end that first half nil-nil, which I think Mourinho would have been quite happy with. Um, second half, it was over before it started, really, wasn't it? It was a bit like the Liverpool game where they come out and score straight away and it took the wind out of ourselves and any chance we had of trying to get back into the game was pretty pretty much gone at that point. And I think, really, we're probably pretty happy finishing 3-0, aren't we? Ricky, coming off the back of that with some thought. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Milo there. I don't. I think in the first half, it was a typical Jose pragmatic plan. Nothing wrong with that. City are a great team. They're on a great run. The defence that we selected, I was a bit worried about, but held up pretty well. Apart from maybe in the first 10 minutes, I thought Foden was going to, Foden mm. and Davis, it was going to be a bit of a car crash for Davis. But then mm. Pep swapped the sides for some reason. He put um, Sterling then on Davis. And I think Sympathy. they showed him the... Sympathy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they also showed a graphic in the first half. I think the average positions on the left there, they really were gathering yeah. over on Tanganga's side. Mm. And considering that, he he did pretty well, I thought. Yeah. The penalty, I think, yeah, Hoiberg, that was a bit of a 50-50. I mean, that's two in a week now, really. He's, had, he's been a mm. little bit unlucky. Um, but the penalty as well, there's a little bit of this on Wednesday as well. I'll let, let his hands, Loris. I'm sure he could have liked him. It was one arm save. I think one arm's enough to keep that out. Um, if anyone saw Smichael today at Leicester, then mm. a strong arm is all you need and it can keep it out. Forward play, though, in the first half, I thought we did have opportunities to move forward. Yeah. Um, we didn't We, we didn't have the flow of Wednesday. And I'm not sure if that was slightly Lamella regressing to like not releasing the ball quick enough and that kind of thing. And maybe the movement of the front players weren't wasn't that great. But certainly the opportunities was there. And I don't think it was particularly City defending that was negated now. I think, I think we had the opportunities. We just wasn't really taken them. I don't mean opportunities a goal. I mean opportunities to create something. Second half, as Milo said, really that um, that second goal just killed us straight away. And it looked after that that Wednesday, because what we have to remember Wednesday that maybe started to catch up was a bit mm. because we played 120 that, minutes. That's what Mourinho blamed it on after the game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. And I, and I can understand that. And that's why you had to take certain people off and bring people on. And that also lost a bit of our kind of momentum. But then again, were we just also thinking, well, it's City. We can't really get back into this. What's the point of trying? I mean, the third goal is just Sanchez in a nutshell, really. Mm. I mean, that's that's what you get with Sanchez. And I must say, and I don't know if anyone else noticed, but also he looked he looked a bit like a horse that had fallen at Beaches Brook in the Grand National when mm. Gunnarsson had turned him inside out. And to keep that analogy on, the only thing they could have done, the only other thing they would have done, is brought the screens around and just shot him <laughs> and put him out of his misery. But um, anyway, that's is that harsh on Sanchez? I don't know. Oh, um, Moby. Uh, let's bring Moby in for a minute. I mean, yeah, Moby. You know, well, where do we start? I mean, in, let's. let's Carry on with individual errors. I mean, talk about individual errors and, and you know, uh, Ricky's talked about uh, Sanchez there. You know, uh, uh, maybe it's a little harsh. He was the only defender remotely back there, even though he did look hapless in, in the pursuit. But maybe addressing some of the other errors that we saw today, because, I mean, I think we did discuss that there are some soft wrists going on. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. I'd literally been stealing myself for the last five minutes to say, right, I'm going to start off and I'm not actually going to dig out any individual players. Come so on. the first thing you said to me is, right, Moby, go and dig out a few individual players. So, right, Absolutely. the gloves are off. I'll come, <laughs> yeah, I'll come back to the uh, the soft wrists in a minute. I, I was going to say Lamella. I think, for me, this is an issue. He has five 
great games this season when you just think the fire is lit inside him. I love his passion. I love his work rate. Sometimes, you know, the skill he possesses is phenomenal. But he had a good game the other week and that's a problem because the moment he has a good game he starts the next one demanding the ball demanding that everything comes through him and then he's just a bottleneck and on the rare occasions we did actually manage to try and break on City because Lamella was that link between the defence and the attack sort of playing in that number 10 role everything just broke down on the 13th step over drag back you know ball rolling under the studs all that sort of stuff he, he just what? doesn't play that well he just so... doesn't have a right foot and I think you really pay for that in these moments where the margin the margin of opportunity is so tight you've got to hit that mark so quickly right I think one footedness is something that people comment on more with left footed players than right footed players Deli Ali doesn't have a left foot he's very right footed but he's not afraid and... to use it he's not afraid to use it if he has to use it and he's so in a tight spot he'll I, use it Lamella, I, I, ran, Lamella had an opportunity I, in the first half I, I, and just didn't I, use it. I don't. I don't disagree that he's very one-footed. You know that's obvious. But I think it's something that people comment on left, with left-footed players oh. more than right-footed players. I mean, um, he didn't. He didn't have a great game today. He'd been very good in the previous two, so you can understand why he was getting selected. Yeah. I mean, I've got no issue with the the one foot or the two foot thing. Obviously, you know, having the ability to use both feet as a professional footballer is a massive advantage. But some mm. don't. You know, I mean, it didn't hold Maradona back too much. But no, and just and, for the I record, think... I'm, I'm not comparing Lamella to Maradona. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do that I think they you know they need to be coached on that from childhood by the time they're a professional footballer it's too late yeah, yeah but I mean I, okay I'm, yeah. and sorry to cut in a little bit on you here Moby because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out and you take the first bite of this cherry please uh you know I think that it does speak to a greater issue that I see uh I'm seeing a lot recently and maybe fatigue is the reason but our technical touch was awful today we, I mean our, our, our control our ability to actually play a precision pass was shocking and 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 to the point of that first half, there were opportunities to slide people in, to to find even a short five yard pass seemed beyond. Yeah. It was just being it was just being overcooked or overhit. And then I go back to to Eric, just you know, patently not interested in in trying to play anything with his right foot today. So addressing maybe if someone wants to take that on, that would be great. But Moby, you know, continue. Yeah, this is this is your problem when you've got, you know, Son not having a great streak at the moment. You've got Lucas as your other attacking midfielder and then Lamella. You know, you're never going to get smooth, crisp, incisive passing with those three. As Ricky said on the chat on last week's pod, you know, it's the chaos theory with at least two of those three. With Son, you know, you're going to get a cutting edge. But the yeah. other two, it, it's just madness. You know, whatever happens, happens. And, and it just doesn't give you slick possession football. Consequently, we lost the ball a lot. Half the reason, though, I do think we're, we're losing that technical touch, just to throw this one out here. You know, footballers don't become bad footballers overnight. Mm. I've got to raise the question, are, are they still playing for the manager or are they playing at 80% and just holding mm. back a little bit? And that might be a separate conversation. So, you know, I don't want to derail where you're going with this, but I think it's a very, I think suspect. Carry on. I'd say I was wondering, so when, when Steph was asking about tiredness, I think that there was two points I was going to raise on that. I mean, firstly, our season started very early because we were in the Euro, uh, Europa qualifiers, weren't we? So, um, you know, we didn't have much of a break after you know, the truncated season last year ended and then this season started. Uh, so they played a lot of games. And then the other point I was going to make is wondering whether it's mental fatigue rather than physical fatigue. I think Mourinho... It's going to be quite tiring, isn't it? I think working with that all the time. And he demands a lot, but also kind of the circus, all the attention being on him, I think would be quite mentally draining. And particularly if things aren't going well. Um, And I wonder whether that, you know, I think that's kind of, maybe really, maybe, you know, 
that that means that then you know they're not quite 100 percent or just you know physically and mentally knackered yeah you start to think oh i'm tired i'm being told i'm tired i've got an excuse to be tired sod it i'm tired you know and you just perform to that whereas if you're running through the walls for the manager you don't really think about that do you, you just keep going you give that that extra little bit of energy and keep going don't you um i mean just play devil's advocate but don't they say sometimes that jose does take the heat for the players sometimes mm. you know in those situations to try well, and protect them from that kind of thing i'm not saying he is i'm just saying that you know that no, i think there's a very fair point i mean I, I, i'll come in and, and milo coming off the back of me after this but i guess i think that is a fair point i think he believes he's doing that but i do believe that sometimes when you wear a dark colored coat it is a dark colored coat however much you try and make out that it isn't and I think his whole demeanour is forever sort of frumpy or, or not frumpy, dour, maybe. Mm. A lot of a lot of uptightness, a lot of pressure. So I think in the last few games and even the last couple of press conferences, I have to say I've seen him try desperately to, to be a little more positive and to take a positive approach and so on. But I think the die is cast. I think it's unfortunate. I think the walls of the dressing room are, are painted dark and i don't see how he can lighten them up it goes in cycles with him doesn't it because when he's happy he's very playful and you know he's funny and um, but do you, you, know, you never trust it though do you ever do you he, trust he clearly it charismatic. when he is he's clearly charismatic i think when he's on game when he's on form i uh, i think he's good value what i was going to say about say in terms of kind of the, the squad when 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 it works well and so picking up on ricky's point when it works well he creates that siege mentality doesn't he and and i think you do see that and certainly you know uh kind of peak Mourinho that you know that first time at chelsea and um you know he, he, the players would do anything for him for for a short for a period of time but i don't think we've seen that from Mourinho for a while I, you know i don't think we've ever really had that at spurs maybe maybe a little bit after lockdown ended but yeah, I don't think Mourinho's been able to get that out of players for a while. I think in his defence as well, something that's going to make a big difference to him hopefully soon is this team, to try and revitalise this team and this squad a little bit. When Reggie comes back, because he's been a massive mm. miss, you've mm. got Celso to come back as well, who I think also has been a big miss. He's been so in and out. That will bolster our midfield. That will bolster our attacking options down the left flank. And he's also, for whatever reason, on and off the pitch, hasn't had the um, the input of Delhi and Bale either. So if you can get Delhi and Bale, and hopefully them getting minutes today, is a sign that things are starting to turn. That could be four players coming into the squad there who are undoubtedly class, absolutely top-class players. And that could be a fantastic injection for the second half of the season now, because you know, by God, do we need it. I would say, though, um, Moby, I think that's a bit of a leap, though, to think of what's gone on, that those four players are going to come forward and contribute whatever they're going to contribute in the next few months. And just going back to Milo's point, just about the siege mentality thing, the other thing I would say about that, I'm not sure that's the Trump, the Trump card in modern football that it used to be. No, I, you know agree. What I mean, I mean, you know, tactics has moved on massively and that kind of mm. thing. So it might be slightly out of fashion to think that you they can <laughs> get over the line in that manner, basically. Mm. But, I mean, I think the overall consensus I think we're coming to and we really should move move on from him uh, uh, very quickly. But I think the consensus we're coming to is, you know, we're trying, I think, to find every which way to sympathise with the undoubted issues he has, which is not the least of which a tired and possibly not properly replaced squad. You know, I, I I think we are trying to back him. And, uh, you know, that being said, he's dealing a lot with individual errors. And we should address this. And we'll be getting into this a little later when we talk about the cut tie, obviously. But uh, for today, let's focus a little bit on Hugo, if we can, for a moment. You know, we joke about a floppy wrist. There were a couple of floppy wrists there. 
Um, you know, where are we on Hugo? Is he is, is sometimes he pulls off blinding saves, but there's been a lot of basic stuff that seems to be slipping by those uh, those those wrists recently. It's really scary, isn't it? It was only what two weeks ago, if that. This group was sort of saying Hugo is doing really well, and I was thinking the big reason for that is he's not you know because of the different change of style that we've got now, he's not having to go hair arsing forty yards up the pitch to try and make desperate last gasp lunges to bail us out. So actually being back you know as a 34 year old keeper or whatever he is now being back in and around his six yard box making top saves you know that's a perfect perfect role for him mm. um and then the moment i think we shared that thought in the group within 10 seconds the goals have just started raining in yeah. he's, he's literally turned to smoke everything that goes in is going through him i mean he's made a couple of saves but nothing you'd expect him not to make and then the bog standard simple ones are just you know everton as well he's mm. just not getting near anything that penalty right. he could have kicked that off i mean he could have threw his cap on it to use an mm. old expression so yeah I'm, I'm worried now i think we also said what really compounded that worry is normally you know two years ago you'd have gone right let's give gazaniga a go now it's you look at the bench and it's let's give joe hart a go which is petrifying yeah i mean i, I never rated gazaniga but uh... Um, so I'd, I'd never, he had a few never... decent games, didn't he? When he came in, he, well, he went a bit mad when he started trying to decapitate he, Chelsea he, players outside he, the box. But he, can't, he, could, he couldn't that. get he couldn't get down for balls. So um, I think he was always a bit suspect. And if he had had a run in the side, he'd get found out. I think with Lloris, So you're right. You know, the the sweeper keeper of uh, uh, of years ago definitely isn't there anymore. He rarely leaves his six yard box. I think the way we're defending, packing the central areas, is to try and play to his strengths, which is I was going to say, uh, you know, kind of shots to body or you know, you know, shot shot stopping. But that definitely hasn't been the case the last couple of games. He was to blame for. You know, a few goals against Everton, and certainly I think he should have done better with both tonight. Sorry, the first two tonight. I think that the question is: is how much of a priority is it for us to sign a new keeper? Is it one? Has it become one of the priority positions for the summer? It's going to become a bigger issue, isn't it, over the next couple of weeks if this carries on? And but the worrying thing is: is does that mean that our priority is do we need to sign two keepers in the summer? Because Hart's not good enough either. Lloris isn't going to stay around to be number two, is he? No, he'll be back at Paris. Do you remember way back when when people were upset within the club that we couldn't keep a hold of uh, Paul Lopez? You remember the fuss mm. that that caused mm. on, on on the on the almost semi down low? People were very upset about that. And you He's a look Roman back at that, isn't he? You, know, yeah. you kind of look back and you think, hmm, someone knew, you know. <laughs> there has been talk of him coming back, hasn't there? There has been talk of a move in last summer, but there was talk that we were linked with him again. Yeah, very good. Ricky, any thoughts on uh, on Hugo there? or Not really. I mean, we obviously were stuck with him. I think going back from a bit of a, a pot jangle, I think he looks like he's just got a bit of a weak aura at the moment. <laughs> That's all I can say. Really. He used to refresh his lemons. He does a bit of that. Squeeze on the old lemons. Uh, speaking of uh, of making uh, lemonade out of lemons, uh, let's close off on Man City because we do have a midweek game to review as well. Um, I'm going to give each of you somewhere in the region of 30 seconds and give us, and this is for Man City only, one positive and one negative in 30 seconds. And I'm going to ask Moby to go first. Moby, you're up. God, one positive. It's over. I was going to say we don't have to play them again this season, but that's wrong. We do. So, um, yes, on a positive is at least it's over. We've got the away game out of the way. We didn't play too bad in the first half. So, you know, that's maybe something to build on. Like, Like I said a couple of weeks ago, the West Brom game, it wasn't brilliant, but 
you know, maybe just some glimmers of green shoots of revival. Uh, one negative. Oh my god, I've just got too many to to go from. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going to go with Hugo. I'm going to go with the dip in Hugo. I think that was probably the most worrying thing for me because of the ramifications. The other stuff was on the pitch, one offs, but Hugo with his age, the backup, the fact we don't really want to be buying a goalkeeper. Yeah, that the bit that's going to give me nightmares tonight is if Hugo's going, how do we replace him? I was say if there is a dip in Hugo, he wouldn't see it coming, would he? Boom, boom, There it goes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You get comedy on our part, uh, and funny, for that, you for that, it. it's not funny. But so for that fantastic quip, Milo, we're going to go to you next. You can give <laughs> us a, a positive and a negative. Well, the positive is easy. Tananga, I thought, played quite well today, and for me, on the basis of that performance, he'd be my second choice right back on form at the moment. And yeah, I was, I was I thought he had a good game, and you know, especially as he hasn't played for a while, so that was good. The negative again, quite a lot to choose from, isn't there? Um, I'm going to pick on I'm going to pick on one that I've been talking about for a while. We still don't know who our, our first choice centre backs are. It, I just think it's a problem. We're chopping and changing. I think I don't think um, any of us think Sanchez is one of the two. So I I, I think he he needs to yeah maybe he's protecting Rodon at the moment, but um, I think he needs to play Rodon with one of or uh, out of or, or or Dyer and stick with it for a while. Okay. Ricky? Oh, the positive's easy. I saw a Harry Kane free kick go near the goal. Remember that? <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, that was a beautiful free kick. It, it was. was too be- it was too good. Yeah. Um, first time we could say that for a while. Um, and negative, just basically overall, another compounding defeat, basically. In context, uh, Man City are a good team. Our expectations were low. So a win was not for them was not a surprise. But, I mean, from our point of view, it's another defeat. And the league... Is looking harder and harder, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to close off by saying I agree uh, that Tanganga, I thought, uh, was, was a positive point today, and I think gives us a genuine, genuine option uh, right back. And I think we've uh, right back, and I think we've needed one for a while. Um, you know, it's a, it's an important position. I thought he looked really solid. Uh, for me, the biggest negative is actually watching the first touch of so many of our good players just completely desert them. You know, the the way that Jose sets us up and the way we're playing. The margins are so fine that when you do break, those passes have to be accurate and we're just repeatedly unable to execute the simple stuff. And I'm sure that they're frustrated as well. But my word, that was a big negative for me today. Yeah, one thing, that, and I was that was going to be the final word. We didn't get XG stats, although someone did send an XG stat. And it was yeah, I've got, I've got them to hand. Yeah, no, it's 1.9. Yeah. Okay, 1.9 so, plus penalty for City and uh, 0.4 for us. So okay. the scoreline was so the scoreline was pretty much what XG said it should be. Okay, so with that with that in hand and with my love of XG um, motivating me to move forward, uh, let's let's look at the uh, the Everton FA Cup result earlier in the week. Um, just to refresh us all, we scored four goals away from home in the FA Cup fifth round. Uh, we unfortunately conceded five in extra time. Um, I'm going to ask: Was there any valour? In losing this way, Ricky, did you think it was, you know, yeah, nice I think it was. Yeah, I mean, watching the game, I was enjoying it. I mean, obviously, the result you you, you don't want to lose, but um, it was definitely a fresh approach from us. And slightly to go uh, against your point a minute ago, I mean, after thinking like attacking with purpose or creativity or movement was beyond us, this actually came as quite a surprise. I mean, in the first half there. Um, we were doing the things that you were saying we weren't doing. We were moving it quickly. We were interchanging. Mm. We were looking a massive threat. And also, just a side point on that is, remember, that was without Kane playing in that first half. So mm. we didn't need Kane to do that. 
And I think that was largely due to, and probably why they started today, largely due to Lamella and Mora's dose of the kind of organised chaos that we've mentioned mm. before. I could reason that out slightly by thinking maybe the FA Cup was our fourth priority. So there was less to lose, if you see what I mean. In other words, he thought, well, if we go for it, if we play in an attacking manner, probably, and ironically, he thought, yeah, we just need this game over in 90 minutes. And although there was nine goals, it still managed to go to extra time. So he probably wasn't too happy about that. But um, maybe that was a reason why we did go for it more, because he thought, mm. you know, fourth priority, you know, if we get through by just playing like this, then that's great. But of course, the other, on the flip side of that, it might now, or it might have given him the excuse to think, look, you know, if I play like that, that's why my defence is exposed. And that's why we've suffered other weeks, basically. Moby, I'm, I'm going to ask you actually to see uh, if you want to build any positives from the Everton game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually thought, you know, first half an hour, we were we were really good. It was, I was, I was thinking we built on West Brom. There's a, a little bit of confidence back in their legs here. We're attacking even without Harry. You know, we were, we were doing what you could do with the players we had on the pitch. You know, I criticised... Lucas on Lamella a moment ago for not, you know, passing particularly cleverly. But against that Everton line, you wanted that rapier-like speed, the trickery, you know, that that chaos again. And they brought that. We looked good. And as the first half went on, you just get that slightly increasing feeling in your stomach, like how many chances are we going to keep missing? Because we all know the script when that happens. And then we just brain farted for 10 minutes and that's where we lost it we didn't lose it in the second half or in extra time we lost it in that 10 minutes I think of that half you know to concede three goals like that so quickly to then come back the effort that it took to get us back in you know and fair play to the lads you know again that showed some real fight in them to do that so it was a real sucker punch to lose it at the end Again, poor goalkeeping, individual mistakes. You know, we, we shouldn't have lost that. I'm sure mm-hmm. if you had an Everton supporter on, he'll probably be pointing at individual mistakes though that Everton made. You know, we're only seeing it through white and blue tinted glasses at the moment. But ultimately for me, it was great to watch us doing well for a while, but it was the worst possible outcome to go out of the cup and play for two hours. If we we're going to go out, I'd rather we'd gone out in 90 minutes. Can I ask a question of all of you, actually? So, you know, we were just asking about whether the players are still playing for Mourinho. And the way we got back into that game, is that our answer? You know, I do wonder. It's, it's, yeah, it's contradictory, isn't it? Because that's why I thought for a minute, actually, we're, we're turning the corner. They are playing. But you wonder there, were they playing for themselves I don't know you, you don't know unless you're in that dressing room there's no way you can yeah. tell unless you actually talk to the players and they confide it, it, in you it was, a, it was a really good performance for the first 30 minutes wasn't it and then we thought yeah. you know so you said you know we had Individual that mistakes. awful 10 minutes and and then forced our way back into it and a, a yeah. side that isn't playing for the manager probably doesn't do that no, well, I, mean, no I, think, I think I think yeah. I think there's a much bigger issue than playing for the manager or not. I think it's a it's a it's been a long burn systemic lack of confidence. You, you can't have it both ways, Steph. You can't have it no, both no. ways. You can't no, say no, we're I not am. playing for the manager when we lose, and then and then say, you know, when we when we when we come back into a game, you know, that it that it's that it's not that. Right, but first of all, I don't think I've ever actually formally said that this side's not playing for the manager. I think what I've said is they're playing with fear, and I think what mm. I've said is that the manager comes in with a dark spell and he has a dark way about him which is very different to not playing for him I think they are actually trying to play they're playing for someone whether it's him or them but what I what I will say is I think oh, there's been an overall culture of fear at this club and the way that this club has been managed and the way that he manages the club it's all based around fear so mm-hmm. with fear comes fragility so we talk about that 10 minute spell and you know Hoiberg was central to that and I'm not going to blame him he's played every minute of every game pretty much so he's mm-hmm. got to be dead 
dead on his feet. But I think that the fragility is such that they don't know who to turn to or where to look when there is a wobble like that. And this is where, you know, I think Hugo comes into this as well. As a captain or whatever, it's not working. It's not working. You need a leader out there. And in the Everton game, Hoiberg has been our leader. He Mm. wobbled. Who's picking him up? And for all Dyer's criticisms, you know, he wasn't there and he couldn't do anything because he's usually one to shout. So I think it's that fragility that's sort of uh, embedded with maybe being with the fear culture of not wanting to make a mistake because you do get slammed and you do get slapped. And it's sort of like, you know, it leads to more mistakes if you get that in your system. So, uh, Mm. yeah, it's a good clarification, actually, because, uh, you know, playing for the manager is such an easy thing to say that are they playing for him, are they not? But I think it's a little deeper than that here. I think it is much more about being afraid. It was was really paradoxical, actually, that performance, wasn't it? It was just, you know, to, to go on the front foot, to take the lead, brilliant. That wasn't like us recently. To go behind three goals, that was like us with individual <laughs> mistakes. But then to come back again, that's completely yeah. out of character. It was almost like because they were playing attacking football in the Spurs style. It, yeah. I don't know whether they stopped listening. To, maybe they weren't playing for the manager. They, they ignored him and played attacking football. Oh, I, I, I think, don't know. Total devil's I, advocate here. Well, I mean, and that's and that's actually was one of the things I wanted to ask uh, everyone. And uh, was was you know what do we think the effect of losing a game five four is going to be on the style of football we play for the rest of the season? Because Jose definitely decided to go for it a bit more in that game and he's seen us score four goals but he's seen us concede five does he just now decide well I'm going to shut up shop that's it sorry Ricky was it you who said that uh, it might have been the lowest priority or was it you maybe I can't remember yeah it was yeah Yeah, so so, so, maybe that's a factor there it's a one off game isn't it so I I think with that attacking I mean we were good in the first uh, half an hour as I said I I think what happened was is that it became a bit like a boxing match where both fighters dropped dropped their guards and slug it out once, once we went, once we conceded three, it came a bit like that. And I, and I think actually on our chat, I, I said that I love it in a cup game when formations and shape go out the window and everyone's just kind of chucking everything at it. Yeah, so you know. I think the last episode we were talking about kind of the club values. I wasn't on the chat, but, you know, that was... And, you know, maybe this is just, you know, my true Spurs nature coming through that I love it when it's a bit like that. And I'd much rather lose 5-4 than lose 1-0. I think that's... No, I think that's a great... I think that's a great place to round off this particular game because, you know, look, we can talk it through forever, but ultimately it it was a classic... Spurs defeat in the manner that we all if we're going to have to endure them would rather see in this segment we wanted to get into uh, when fans attack players um, which is a little more serious um, and 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 you know we've seen them over the years at Spurs um, you know I remember John Lacey used to get pelters Gordon Smith got them Jason Dezel Ramon Vega uh, currently, it appears that Eric Dyer is a target for Boo Boys. Um, you know, I'm going to throw this open to people. Uh, you know, has Boo Boy culture grown with the advent of social media and societies need to blame and mm. over overcook eggs? Um, who wants to come in on this? I think social media obviously got a lot to answer for, but I think um, blame is usually it's a reconciliation, really. It mentally gives people like comfort and of course you know social media now is a fountain for that kind of thing now people can mm. just you know it's so immediate and so many channels to do that through and players being high profile that they are probably going to be targets for that kind of thing deservedly or undeservedly I think in the ground obviously emotions take over um, personally I would never boo one of our players I just don't see any kind of advantage in that you know I might talk about a player you know at half time on the concourse and you know not say very mm. nice things about someone and that but 
oh, it's never, there's no, there's no progress. There's no, there's no point booing your own players and that kind of thing, no matter what kind of state they get into. And yeah, of course, down the years, we've had a fair share of them at White Hart Lane, I'd say. I mean, is it, because have you ever seen someone sit in the stands next to you just go, you know, apoplectic with rage and spitting mm. and frothing at a player over and over? Um, I have. But it's, it's, it's quite sorry. Right? I was going to say, it's quite funny, actually. I remember the last few times I went, there was always some guy sat like a row in front of me and he'd always have a pet player that he would hate regardless regardless of what the guy did you know it would always be the worst thing ever and he would be working this support would be working himself up into an absolute fit of rage spitting <laughs> shouting effing and cheffing and it's like he's not actually having a bad game you know but nobody yeah. would dare say anything you know that entire stands quiet because this guy's just off on one and you can tell he's obviously having a few problems at home not happy with the misses he's obviously come out in a bad mood and he's kicking off I think it was Chris Armstrong that was getting it actually if I look back right back when that was going on and actually yeah. Armstrong had a had a terrible time didn't they I think you you read the interviews of mm. what happened to him at the time he was playing with an injury he's coming back to me now for some time doing his best he missed a few and just got pelters from the supporters and he just never really recovered from it and it was a shame mm. actually because he did bang some goals in um in more recent years obviously we've seen it Danny Rose came off social media I remember that that was a really big one when he signed his new contract with us I think it was about the time he'd gone to Sun- just before he went to Sunderland on loan and he'd made a few mistakes as a, as a young defender will he got absolute abuse and I think that's always been in the back of his head in terms of his relationship with the supporters and the, the wider world and his bigger issues and then just to bring it up today I've, I've gone far back bit in the middle going up today just this week Harry Winks has been mm-hmm. me abused on Instagram I think it is um, just because he's been targeted by the book by the boo boys who yeah. weren't even at the game um, for perceiving to have lost game against Everton yeah, so yeah it's, it's not good yeah it's all, all his fault I mean how many how many goals did we concede when he was on the pitch one <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I, th- I think there's a couple of things that I find quite interesting about this yeah if you look at the psychology of it quite often when people talk about a side that's winning they talk about us and we and when they talk about uh, their club that's losing it's them so I think people just uh, distance themselves from it and I wonder whether the booing is a bit of that as well distance themselves from from poor performances and so the social media thing, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it was there beforehand. And I, I wonder what, you know, it's not just the booing. I think the Spurs thing is the groaning. And, you know, I, I, the player that jumps to mind for me is, is Genus, who, you know, signed us with quite a lot of promises. You know, he's a very talented technical player. And I think, and, you know, we've talked about it with our current manager, but I think sometimes our crowd scares our players or makes our players scared to try things because they're worried about the groans and the mumbling. Are you saying that happens more at our, our club, though, Milo? What do you think? That's I don't know. I don't support another club, so well, I don't know what it's true. like yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, and maybe it's just because for most of my time supporting Spurs, we've been a mid-table club with mid-table players. You know, maybe that's it. I, I You know, I, th- I think we've had a lot of players we've signed with promise who've gone on to play within themselves. And I, and I do wonder whether that's because we get on their backs or this groaning or mumbling when they try something and it doesn't come off. I think it's societal. I mean, from my from my perspective, I mean, you know, when I first started going in the in, you know, 1980, 81, when I was going regularly for the first time. You know, you some people would get coded now and again, you know, but there was never this systemic, you know, picking out. I mean, I mentioned John Lacey and 
Gordon Smith. I mean, they would get criticism. Oh, no, Lacey's playing. But there was never the, the bilious hatred. Some of the bilious hatred I see right now towards some players actually disgusts mm. me. I mean, you know, and I found myself at games on several occasions where I've just turned around to someone and said, hey, I didn't come here to hear you, co-him, support the fucking team. We're all yeah. here. We're paying the money. You're in the ground. Give them support. How's it going to help? And so when I see Eric Dyer getting pelted, left and right and uh, maybe you mentioned Harry Winks I just think what on earth does that do it, it's mm. not going to help it's not helpful but I, I can't help but feel that social media is giving people you, think? you know an extra blanket and you know there's obviously the whole racist racial side and racist side of this which we won't get into too much needless to say it's it's disgusting and it, do you it think, is cowardly do you, you know? do you think black players get it or bone players get it more Steph I haven't really thought I mean, about that Soko and Rose um, Soko and Rose would be obvious examples of that um, do you think they get it worse than white players well, it's possible I haven't thought of it on those lines to be fair but when you look at it Sissoko was mercilessly mm. taken down when he never really had a chance to play in the position that he played at Newcastle he played everywhere but that position for several years he wasn't amazing but he certainly wasn't you know some of the abuse was disgusting and, 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 and similarly with Danny Rose I think that he has copped it I mean some will say it's because you know well he talks too much and etc but you know he's honest you know people want players to be honest and then when they're honest, they get angry about it. Um, mm. But to address your question, yes, it's possible. I mean, I think racism generally is a huge problem anyway. Mm. We, we know this and it's appalling. And, you know, but I think there seems to be this blending point where everyone is open season now. You can take pot mm. shots at whoever you want. I was going to make the point, yeah, just on uh, Milo's point there. Actually, I hadn't thought of it. I'd written down three strikers because I'd observed a difference and I was going to say, and I hadn't actually realised what it was that he just said. I'd written down, obviously, I'd mentioned Chris Armstrong and Darren Bent, who got absolute grief. I was going to compare and contrast it with Soldado, who mm. didn't rip wow. up any trees, but got love and support. And I was genuinely going to say, what was yeah. the difference? And I know that what sounds really brilliant... naive now in the context of what's uh, interesting. Said, but what a wasn't that the answer? Point. I don't know. Uh, Janssen wow. didn't really get it from the fans either, did he? No. Wow, you know, you're both, you're all absolutely right. And and it's, well, this is another reminder, of course, Mm. you know, we don't even consider these institutional. Shows how unprepared we are for these things. Mm. Well, no, but it's a great. Yeah, I mean, see, the the Sissoko one, I mean, uh, the Sissoko uh, comparison I'd make would be Stefan Freund. Yeah, same thing. I was just about to say that. Freund was shit, but it was a cult hero. And Sissoko has taken, what, four years to become a cult hero? No, yeah, I've, pretty, I've, I've written exactly the same thing down before coming on that um, it, to flip Sorry. that round. It's it's no, no, it's okay. But it's amazing, you know, we, we think alike because it's weird how you become a, you can be pretty rubbish but still become a cult hero. And it's mm. just, but then I, now we compare it to Sissoko, that's quite alarming in a way. The, 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 the flip point might be is maybe we're too good for cult heroes now, or we think we're too good. Maybe we've been spoiled by a few good years. And if you're mid table, you know, we can all get behind a trier. And maybe, maybe the counter argument is that we're a bit too good for triers now, although to be fair I think most of us would have loved a few tries today yeah, I was going to say I'll take a team of tries <laughs> at the moment well you yeah. make it again again to add to your point and it's really you really really got me thinking actually uh, and, and I, you know as I've said in previous pods I consider uh, you know myself to be an ardent anti-racist and I'm, I'm very very you know up on mm-hmm. you know where I see prejudice but this is an area where you, you really caught me out because when I think about it you know Serge Aurier was get, would get absolute pelters I mean pelters and, and, mm. and Matt Doherty who has had a poor season has really not had the same level of, of, of criticism he's getting, uh, or, he's getting or, a fair he's, he is getting a fair bit on yeah but it's not it's not as bilious but it's 
not as bilious. Like there's a certain bilious nature. No, the, the nastiness does seem to. Yeah. Sorry, the nastiness does, yeah. does tend to gravitate towards certain players, and I, certain I players, think there's yeah. a clear line there. Yeah. I mean, Dyer, Dyer is the exception to the to, to what we're, I suppose, sadly seeing is somewhat of a mm-hmm. rule. Um, I was I wonder with a lot of this whether it's group thing. So you know, a player gets singled out, particularly with social media, and you see this on forums as well. And you know, a player gets singled out, someone makes a comment, and quite often you see the same comment repeated over and over again. And I think there's an element of confirmation bias in there because you end up looking for the thing that's being highlighted to you. So you see an error, someone's commented on it, and then after that you're repeatedly looking for it. And I think one of the things I notice quite a lot is when you get a new player into the club or a young player come through, people only see the positives of their performance. The negatives are still there, but they're overlooked. And then over a period of time, people stop looking at the positives anymore. They notice the negatives and then everyone focuses on that. And their performances might not be any different, but the focus changes. Become Harry Winks, that's what you're saying, isn't it? I'm I not mean, saying I that's think... a bad thing to Winks. I'm just saying, you know, as your demonstration, as someone comes yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're, you know. Yeah. I, think yeah, yeah. It's a, I think it's a, it's an excellent point. And I, I just, I have to further say that, you know, this is a societal issue. You know, it seems that in society in general, people are, you know, delight, want to jump on on you know negative or or hyperbolic bandwagons more than ever uh and football can we blame it all on simon cowell can we do that can we just say this this is the we we can we we can for the balance i mean the first player that you really remember getting it and i think it's interesting to chart that the the modern i remember david beckham when he got sent off in Mm. the semi-final Mm. for england in 98 i think that was the first time i'd ever really seen it at that level it was just hyperbolic to the point of, of stupidity and of absurdity and, and he really got taken to the cleaners and it almost became fashionable after that you know to dig people out and you know look I, 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 I'm trying to think of a career that's been ruined at our club in that way I think you could argue Danny Rose is a player that might very well have had another couple of useful years with us had he not been under the cosh so much I mean that's that's something mm. to consider uh, can we think of anyone else? Can we think of any other? I mean, Chris Armstrong, you said Moby. I thought that was a good one. Can we think of anybody else? Is there any one other career that you can think of that was ruined? Plenty of players who've not gone on to you know, drop down afterwards, but I think you'd see that at most clubs, wouldn't you? Is Winks on the verge of maybe being one of those players? Is Dyer, if, if our supporters continue to berate them at the rate well, of knots that they seem to enjoy doing so? When you think that Winks was being linked with Man City summer of 2019, that's not going to happen now, is it? And dominating Real Madrid the year year before I think it was yeah, in yeah. midfield so yeah. he's yeah. he's homegrown which is I know is a point you always make Milo it's hard to actually replace those players as well you know just with the way our squad's structured at the moment but I think the, the thing is as well though, I mean there's no fans in the stadium mm-hmm. you know, all this abuse is online so I'd like to think hopefully they can just turn it off you know it's as simple as flicking the, the switch I think the problem the problem with social media is like hate speaks loudest doesn't it and as soon as mm. like a ball's rolling and that kind of thing it's a, it's compounding people will jump in and even if you've got yep. people that are defending someone no one you know no one often listens to that or, or you know or takes it on board or they get shouted down well they get shouted down the, the mob right. descends upon them the mob yeah I mean I did have an angle on Winks because I did think a couple of weeks ago um, whether we think he you know he should stay or whether he's good enough or whether even Josie will ever give him enough chance but I did write down Bazuma, McGinn and Lewis at Villa Ward Prowse Indeedy, Calvin Phillips at Leeds and Nevers at Wolves, would you basically straight swap for any of them with Winks? Squad player, yeah. I think Winks I think Winks is a decent player. 
but I don't think he's a Mourinho player. True. Um, I'm having Neves. Yeah, definitely. Um, that would be brilliant. Uh, indeed, he as well. He's only up the road from me, so I could mm. grab him. Um, I mean, I know add, he would add a lot to our midfield. I mean, I know it always goes that you always know your own players inside out. And of course, sometimes you look at players at other teams and you think they're kind of good. So you don't actually know them as well. We all know our players like, you know, as though we'd live with them, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think Winks' replacement's already at the club and he's playing for Norwich this season. OK, yeah. We are talking about Oliver Skip, just to make it very clear to anyone who doesn't know that. Well, there might be someone who doesn't recognise the mighty Skip, which I agree. I think he perfect perfect player but, uh, and if um, that is if that is a straight replacement then Winks has got some asset value that will bring some yeah, money in yeah no, that's so. right you know absolutely if we can sell him in the summer and uh, we bring in a bit of money we don't have to spend on a replacement that's good business he's come through the club you know he's given us I'm, I'm very happy with players you know it's like you know Ryan Mason when he when he left or you know we had you know Liverpool. I think that's that's the academy that's the academy working well bringing players through if, they, if they're a squad option for a few years we sell them we make some money on them another set of players come through and we can use you know use the uh, funds to pay for the academy and, and assign players that's the academy working well i'm quite happy with that and that's and that's you know bringing this to a conclusion i mean that's the point if you boo players and if you berate them uh, not only do they not play well even mm. if they are good players in the case of harry winks who i do believe is a, is a is a fine footballer and can be again maybe with another club and another manager maybe still with us and 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 another yeah. manager down the line but if you boo players and berate them, you are going to lose any value of them whatsoever because mm. nobody's going to want them. So the conclusion has to be, I mean, we don't need to come to a conclusion. I suppose it's obvious. Any any sane person would say that the level of abuse some of these players are getting is absurd. And, we, and I think, actually, individuals need to stand up. I think when we get back into football grounds, I think we all have a responsibility to stand up and turn around and tell some of these people to shut up. I really do. I, I firmly mm. believe it. I've done it. Have, you, have any of you done that? I've, I've, booed, I've booed you a few times on here, mate, but I'm never a player. I, <laughs> no, you know. I, agree, no, I didn't mean you, when, boo. I didn't mean boo. I meant stand up to someone who is booing, tell them to shut I, up. I, I, I've done some pretty firm tutting, certainly. Excellent. I've well, done some uh, nasty looks. Yeah, yeah. No, stared into the back of their head and tutted. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, in the I south could... in the south stand last year, I did actually see someone have a go at Levy though, and he was going, "I can see you, Levy. I know you can see me." And all this, and he was just like berating him, and everyone was like, you know, laughing. But I suppose a I bit mean, of it... Levy abuse is, I suppose, always, you know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose to just to, and I will, and I promise, and I've said I'm going to conclude this two or three times. We're doing a lot of this tonight, but it's okay. <laughs> we'll this edit that sa- out. This will sound smooth later. Is, this is our Saturday night therapy, and, and it's hopefully uh, uh, yours as well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. But to bring it to a conclusion on this point, back to Eric Dyer, you know, he was involved in possibly the ultimate uh, boo boy incident last year when mm. um, someone uh, was giving him pelters. Uh, his, obviously, I think it was his brother heard his this. Brother, yeah. And after the match, uh, Eric decided to stride into the stands. Now, my, my view on that was that, of course, you know, you shouldn't leave the field of play and technically it was a stupid thing to do and all this. But I completely understood where the, play, the guy was coming from. You uh-huh. know, at a certain point, you've just had enough. And, you know, it, much like when Eric Cantona, Kung Fu kicked that moron at Palace, yeah. sometimes that has to happen. Yeah, what that shows, Steph, is that they're human and it does get to them and it does hurt. And, you know, we we're talking about social media and I know that a lot of the bigger players have people who manage their accounts for them and they probably don't see it. I think some of the younger players, you know, that's not the case. And obviously, thankfully, it hasn't happened at our club. And, you know, we touched on racism earlier on. Other clubs, you have seen players being racially abused by fans online afterwards. 
and and players having to delete their accounts or lock them because of that. So, you know, it, it obviously does get to them. And that obviously isn't going to help someone perform better. You know, we're talking about elite professionals here where a couple of percentage points either way in their performance is the difference between being okay and being great. And people getting on your back or, you know, getting into your head isn't going to help that. It's not being a good fan. It's not supporting the club. Wouldn't it be great when we all finally get back in stadiums if we ignore all this shit on social media, we don't be dicks and we all actually get behind the players. And then even if they don't work out and the manager makes the decision that they're not the right fit for the team, we'll get maximum value for them, which we can then reinvest in players who hopefully will take us on again. So yeah, support the team, guys. Don't be dicks is a good motto, isn't it? Be excellent to each other. I agree. And <laughs> and, and when we all get managed to get together, when our pod team gets together at a game, I think we owe it to ourselves and to Eric Dyer to give him a mighty chorus of I love Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer loves me. So, uh, yeah, good good Amen chat on that, that one, guys. Good chat. Okay, I suppose we should wrap up as much as I'd like to, to keep going. So, uh, But let's let's wrap it up, I'm going to say. So, so who are we playing this week, Steph? Who have we got on Thursday? Oh, no, no, I'm, I don't worry. <laughs> this you're is gonna, you're gonna get You're going <laughs> to get your moment. You're going to get your moment. Okay, so just for, just so the listeners understand, uh, you know, there's a bit, a bit of a developing theme here. Number 22, about... West Ham. <laughs> You know, there's a bit of there's a bit of a developing theme here. In the game is about glory, where I am, uh, you know, in my creative flair and flow, I make gaffes. You know, who who thought? No, I'm beginning to think it's just a ploy for more airtime, so you get to do your <laughs> corrections at the end of each one. <laughs> well, what I will say is that my gaff for this week uh, was was so big that I actually not only got the club wrong that we're playing. <laughs> In the Europa League on Thursday at 5:55 p.m. UK time, I I actually managed to get by proxy the country from which this club comes from wrong. So I will officially admit that in our show notes I had written Wolfsburg from Germany. Yeah. Uh, however, Milo pointed out that it was actually Wolfsburger, and they're from Austria. So our next game <laughs> is going to take place on Thursday at 5:55 p.m. against Wolfsburger. And it's taking place in Budapest, Hungary, which I did know, and not Wolfsburg, Austria, which I did not know. But the switch is happening thanks to COVID, so I did know that. So anyway, the upshot is somewhere we've got a game in the Europa League on Thursday that, quite frankly, we should win. So we should be able to put aside all this poor form. And then comes uh, on Sunday, February 21st at noon the small matter of a trip to the home of the Dildo Twins and West Ham United. Um, and uh, it's getting a little worrying, that game, I have to say. They're mm-hmm. uh, so, second Obi. in the form table at the moment, by the way, West Ham. And we know with how that... we did against the team top of the uh, form table. <laughs> so looking forward to that. Although, um, yeah, we've always been watching a lot of the Austrian league, though, haven't we? So we're, we know yeah. how we're going to do against Wolfsburger. Well, you Ricky, have. I've been watching... You're good on the Austrian league, aren't you, Ricky? No, I've been, I've been reading Ratburger, but I don't know anything about Wolfsburger. I That'll just... do. We'll take that. No, I've been watching German football, so I have no idea. But I mean... <laughs> You've I, been I, waiting I... for them to come on, haven't you? <laughs> I know, I know. And it's so so little England of me to get that wrong. And I, I, I apologise to the great people. Of, uh, Everyone uh, made that mistake Wolfsburg. when the draw was made, though. But that was two yeah, months but, ago. But, but several months on. 
I know there's a time difference between us, Steph. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, well, where are you, Mars? I thought you were in California. Jesus. It's like uh, all I six months saying... from now, he's going to get a signal and he's going to go, what? Austria? <laughs> <laughs> Let me send this message back to Earth. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going, if the players are listening, at least they'll know to be uh, in the right venue, playing the right team at the right time. And that's the most important thing because my word... It has to be said that a couple of the mistakes in recent games have left us wondering if they're in the same country. You were saying earlier on, Steph, when we were having the chat about, you know, Bale needs to start a game soon. Surely Thursday is the game he starts if he's going to start one. Same Al- same Delhi. Yeah, we need, we need to get them playing. No. We? Well, just you know, we're about, we're about to... We're about You're saying to no, now. Ricky? No, he's just making substitutions today. We're going to be playing pretty much the same team we've been playing in the you league. You so? Yeah, yeah you're open league's probably. West, even, even with West Ham at the weekend? Yeah. Can he afford so. to do it? And can he afford to do it? Is the well, Europa League is his last chance at the Champions League, I, you would think? I, yeah, I think he's given up on the we league. We can't go down these do. alleyways too far. We're going I, to have to review I, these. I don't... I don't think he can afford a loss against West Ham. So I think any results in Budapest that we can bring back and win at home, I think he'll be happy with. So uh, a draw or losing 1-0, I don't think he'll be too bothered about. And I think I think if we lose to West Ham, we really, you know, to quote um, GP's article on our, on our website, it really is, uh, he really is in the lame duck zone then. If he loses to West Ham, I think the knives are out. Okay, boys, let's wrap it up because we're already... I can sense the nerves about these upcoming two games amongst us all. I mean, let's face it, I think they're both games that we need to be winning. Uh, You know, we need to win both of them. But everyone, thank you very much. Ricky. Cheers, Steph. Moby. Thanks, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Come on, you later. We will be back in a week to discuss both of these games that threaten to take us out for another hour here because of... uh, the nerves that are building at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, we can say it no other way. There is a growing sense of anxiety as to where our season is going. Uh, we'll be back in a week to discuss Wolfsburger in the Europa and West Ham in the Prem. Once again, remember to please, please, please subscribe to The Game Is About Glory. Tell your mates about us. And also, while you're at it, let us know what you think of this podcast on Twitter at Glory Glory Forum. And we can be found on Instagram as, drumroll one word, at The Game Is About Glory. So you have no excuses not to support us, back us, listen to us, love us, be with us. Let's all experience this season together. See you next week. Cheers, Steph. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Cheers, everyone. Bye.